the Better Brew Podcast. Calling all business owners, busy bees, and wannabes. If you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Stephanie Huffman, owner of Bosco, Bailey, a business, and a bursa. Each week, I'll take you behind the barista bar and share with you the recipes for juggling the lattes of life while looking for that perfect blend. Welcome to the best 20 minutes of your week. Now let's get down to business. The Better Brew Podcast was started for people like you and me. We're trying to run a business, a home, and a life. Contrary to what some people might think, it's not easy, and sometimes we're just faking it as we're trying to juggle all of those plates. She was one of the first six women astronauts accepted by NASA in the class of 35 that included Sally Wright and Judy Resnick. She went to Berkeley in the 60s and protested the very war her future Top Gun pilot husband was flying over and fighting. She was one of only six women in her class of 100 at medical school and the only woman in her residency program. Told she could wait in the nurse's bathroom on a folding chair between surgeries, while her male colleagues sat in the doctor's lounge, she managed it all with grace and style. She went on to marry fellow astronaut Captain Robert Hood Gibson, and the two produced the world's first astrotot. But what people don't know is that after her days at NASA, she became a business owner, learning to navigate, working, and traveling with male colleagues in a business environment. Today, in this exclusive interview, we asked Dr. Seddon what it was like post-space shuttle era, working in and running a business, a home, and a life. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to present to you astronaut Ray Seddon. Well, welcome, Dr. Seddon. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, Stephanie, my pleasure. Always wonderful to talk to you. You're a delight. Everyone who knows you these days knows you as an astronaut. They don't know really much about you in other aspects of your life. And I'd kind of like to let you have the opportunity to introduce yourself to the business community in a way that might surprise them. For example, uh, yes, people know you as an astronaut. Yes, many would know you as Hoot's wife, and we'll get to that later. But they don't have any idea as to your entrepreneurial side, and that at one point you were a business owner. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that segment of your life and how that business came to be? Well, Stephanie, you know, it was um, I was a surgeon tr- finishing my residency when I got to join NASA as one of the first six women astronauts, which was wonderful. Um, and uh, after a period of time, I made three flights, and it was time for me to move on into a different career. Um, I had really accomplished all I wanted to accomplish at NASA. So I came back to Tennessee, my husband and children came to, and I, I got a really good job at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center as the assistant chief medical officer. Now, I wasn't sure I could do that, but I just sucked it up and told the guy, oh, I'd love to come and work for you. A uh, wonderful chief medical officer who put me in charge of safety and process improvement. 
He said, you know about systems and we need to learn more about that here. So I'm thinking, can I do that? Can I do that? I'll give it a try. I'll pretend I can do that. So when I came to, to Vanderbilt, I worked on a variety of different things to improve, improve efficiency of the way um, the, the medical center operated. Um, but there came a time when uh, there were a couple of pilots from Memphis, uh, FedEx pilots, who came to Vanderbilt and asked if they could adapt a course that they had been teaching pilots about keeping safe in airplanes, if they could adapt that um, to a, a medical institution that would make things safer for patients. You know, my boss said, well, we have a couple of astronauts here. Would you talk to them? And of course, they're going, whoa, that worked. Um, and so we began to teach doctors and nurses and people um, how to not make mistakes on patients. And the program went really well. It was very well received. We, we trained many, many departments at Vanderbilt. And, in, and the, the facts showed up. You know, there were fewer mistakes, fewer malpractice cases, and everything went well. So once we had sort of perfected the, the case at Vanderbilt, we thought, well, why don't we go teach this to other people um, across the country? And so I became one of the founding partners of a company called Life Wings Partners. And we went across the country um, and taught other institutions. And it was a it was a wonderful program. It's still out there. Um, I backed out of it and moved on to other things. But, you know, it was certainly a wonderful business. It gave me uh, a lot of good information about how businesses are run, how the money comes in and goes out, um, who does what, uh, and how to be a good businesswoman. So um, it was a a wonderful thing and um, it was there were lessons that I learned there that you know have carried me you know for the rest of my life. You mostly worked and traveled with men during that season of your life. You have a very alpha male Top Gun pilot husband who became an astronaut as well. Uh, we'll talk about that again later but as a female in that world what did you experience in that culture and that world at that time because now today it's a real big deal men and women in the me too and what was it like for you then well luckily the the men that i traveled with were, were wonderful guys but you know i think it was incumbent upon me to be a very professional person uh, one of the things that I learned early on in seeing some other women come and work with us was that you have to look like a professional. You have to dress like a professional. You have to be able to stand up in front of a, a group of people, men and women, and um, and be a professional person. Um, you know, you can certainly have a sense of humor and have fun, um, but you have to be serious about the work part that you do. You know, all the way along the line, I have worked in male-dominated fields until very recently. Everything I did uh, was was male-dominated, and I just sort of learned how to to work through that, and you know, to joke around with them, not take offense at a whole lot of different things, but to straighten them out if they said something that I thought was not in good taste. But it was a journey, and I learned how to navigate it. I think what's so fun is. Uh, other people saw you as a woman with business partners that were men. And you're like, oh, honey, I did that when I became one of the first six women at NASA. You don't understand. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. This is nothing. You know, it was a, 
um, in medical school. In a medical school class of 100, there were six women. I mean, we had to, you know, sort of depend on each other. And then, of course, in a residency program, I was the only woman. And so I just sort of went through life doing what I wanted to do. Um, Again, I joined the astronaut program in a class of 35. There were six women. And it was just that was the way my life was. And I learned lessons as I went along about what to do, what not to do, how to not offend people, uh, how to straighten people out, you know, when when they had offended me. Um, But, you know, um, I sort of took everything that I had learned along the way and adapted it to something different. And when I look back on it, I think, oh, yeah, I learned that and it applied to this. And then I learned this and applied to something else. It, it was uh, it was all kind of linked up. I didn't go far afield um, at any time. Yeah, it's so interesting how all of your careers just sort of tagged to the next one and the next one and the next one. So by the time you become a business owner and a partner with these men, it's just like, yeah, next step. Yeah, exactly. It's easy. I think there is a delicate balance, though, for men and women in business versus women with women in business and men with men in business. And I think that some women may find it very difficult to find that balance. You were very blessed and fortunate that you had all these years of experiencing that so that by the time you were in business with men, it wasn't such a challenge or an issue to you. It was just like, let's just get the job done. What's my role? What's my job? you know, let me know if I'm not doing it right. I'll let you know if, you know, you said something uh, that that wasn't particularly um, flattering um, or you said something in a joking way that wasn't very funny. Um, and so, yeah. And it was, you know, different groups of men and, you know, you sort of had to fit in and figure out, well, what's this group of men going to be like? Um, some people were, some men were, were quite shy or, or a little afraid to work with women because they thought they, they might say something out of place. And there were others that just popped off and, and said stuff and you had to say, hey, wait a minute. That's not a nice thing to say. Because if it offended me, it would probably offend other women and they needed to know that. So it was kind of nice. They were very fortunate to have you and that you could give them kind of a high sign and gun. Guides, that's not going to play in Poughkeepsie over here. That's not going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the best part or the most fulfilling part of being in business, having that business partnership, entrepreneurial experience in regards to goals, dreams, opportunities, benchmarks for you, bucket list? What was what was the best part or the most fulfilling part of that business for you? Well, I think it it um, introduced me to a kind of a bigger world. Uh, you know, went to, we went to uh, medical centers and doctors groups all over the country, and um, you know, just seeing the the different way things were run. You know, we would go into a hospital, and we would be speaking to leadership, and in a lot of ways, um, the leadership was not very good. You know, there were doctors trying to be business leaders and they didn't know how to, to do that. And we had to, to gently bring them on board. Yes, you must make people come to this training session. If we're going to come here and put on a training session, people must come. It's not an option. Uh, you've paid for all of these people to, to, 
you know, come here. And so, um, you know, it was, um, that was interesting. Uh, and, and quite frankly, it was wonderful to see that the medical world finally got it, that uh, when you were a doctor in a leadership role, that was different than being in a, a doctor in an office or, or a, a surgical suite where you just told everybody what to do. Um, so um, understanding more about leadership myself, understanding or seeing what works, what doesn't work, uh, and how you move people um, towards uh, a successful um, outcome. Yeah, you would have um, been in business anyway had you not gone to NASA. You would have become a surgeon who had to open your own practice, and you would have been running your own business anyway. So right. that just got put on hold and you know, until you got out of NASA. But I think it's interesting that people forget – if a doctor is a doctor and has a practice, he's running a business and they usually struggle because they've been taught how to be a surgeon or a doctor. They've never been taught how to run a business. And those are two different worlds. Would you agree? Totally. And, you know, certainly even working at, at Vanderbilt, um, you know, here, here were doctors trying to tell their secretaries what to do. And the secretaries are going, you know, I don't, think we need to do it that way. So it was just this dichotomy of, you know, really smart people, but they, they weren't cognizant of the other's world and they, they didn't how to know how to make it work together. So, you know, I was, it was wonderful for me to see some of the physicians come along and say, oh, okay, I see how you, how we can improve the way we take care of our patients. You know, doctors had back then had terrible egos. And we would say, you know, the wait time for the patients in your office is really bad. And the patients get a little angry about that. And they would say, well, you know, they're here to see me. You know, they'll wait. I'm going, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's great. You know, and we that's found that people, that the patients who had complaints, um, they were, um, the doctors were more likely to have malpractice cases. If you oh, treat wow. a patient badly uh, and then something goes wrong, they don't remember you as a wonderful person and he just made a mistake. Um, they find a lawyer. So, you know, that, that was something that we had to do. We had to get the data on that. You don't just tell a doctor that we had to look at data, you know, here are the number of complaints against you versus, you know, the other doctor in your office. And here's your, malpractice cases versus the other doctor in your office and then trying to decide what to do about that. So, wow, that, all that's a, a tremendous learning experience for me. I think it was wonderful for you being a doctor talking to them. A, they might listen a little bit more if you're a doctor talking to them, doctor to doctor. B, you could understand where they were coming from. You, you'd been there, done that, you know, back at Memphis general even in your residency uh, uh, or your training as well, where you knew where doctors were coming from. So what a wonderful opportunity for you to mesh those two during that business. I just think it's kind of magical, you know? Well, Stephanie, you know me well, and you know that I have meshed many times, <laughs> taking what I learned from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And, and, you know, you've been wonderful to help me do that. Well, you're sweet. Thank you for that. Well, people see you again as an astronaut, 
And now they get to meet the business side of you, the entrepreneurial side of you today and learn that you were literally a trained physician, a surgeon. And it's funny because you're a person and you have a family and you're a wife and a mom and a grandma. And, you know, there's that side of you that people don't get a chance to think about or really get to know. And I'm blessed that I've had the opportunity to get to know you also on that front. But there's 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 some stories that make me laugh, like when you come home and you find the toilet in the kitchen sink because Hoot wants to fix it, you know, or how he has to have the eggs perfectly balanced in the carton and the refrigerator. And there's another story that makes me laugh, and it involves you, your husband, a plane, and a jello mold. You want to... <laughs> Well, you know, you look back on things that happened in your life and say, was there a lesson in that? And yes, one Thanksgiving, um, we decided we would take the family up to Washington, D.C., where my older daughter lived. And my husband has a four-seater airplane. You know, that's great. You can put luggage in the back. You can take some of your dishes. You can, you know, do what, you know, it's just easier than flying on the airlines. So we got all equipped up. I decided that one of the things that I really wanted to make was a gelatin mold for the Thanksgiving table. And so um, we put everything in there and I was afraid the mold would break. So um, I sat in the back with the mold in my lap. So we take off. And of course, going from Tennessee to Washington, D.C., you have to go across the Appalachians. So we're we're going along and all of a sudden there's turbulence and the plane starts, you know, bebopping along and dropping periodically and swerving around and everything. And my tummy started to not feel very good. And I said to my husband, gosh, a lot of turbulence today. And he said, yeah, yeah. And we fly a little further. And I said, gosh, can, can you fly a little higher to get out of the, the rough air? And he said, no, I can't. We'd use extra gas and I don't want to have to stop for gas. And we'd bump along and bump along and, you know, up and down and up and down and up and down. And I said, whoa, this is kind of bad. And he said, ah, get over it. And <laughs> at that point, I threw up in the gelatin mold, sitting in my lap. And he turns around, you know, it's freaked out all the kids. And he turns around and he said, well, why didn't you tell me you were going to be sick? <laughs> I'd have found some smoother air. So <clears throat> I learned that I was just, you know, I was saying all kinds of stuff and he didn't really understand what I was feeling. And I think that's a lesson we can all learn. You know, you send out a message and someone receives it and maybe they didn't get the same message that you were trying to send out. So you have to learn oh. to speak a little more clearly. <laughs> but oh he always God. gives me a bad time about that gelatin mold. <laughs> You should have just told me. <laughs> you should have told me. <laughs> he was mad at me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. Crazy, crazy. Well, Ray, we have run out of time for today, but I would like to keep the tape rolling, and I would love for you to stick around if you can. I'd be glad to, Stephanie. Thank you so much.
Don't miss next week, part two of this three-part series when Ray gives us a behind-the-scenes look at what it was like to run a family while being an astronaut, a wife, and a mom during her tenure at NASA and then in the days after. We'll talk about juggling her amazing visible career and what it was like in regards to the decisions she had to make in order to make that work. Don't forget to follow us over on Instagram, betterbrew.com, or find me, Stephanie Huffman, over at Patreon. We have some very special things for our VIP members. And that, my friends, is what's been brewing in my brain this week. Can't wait to hear what's been brewing in yours. See you next week on the Better Brew Podcast. I'm Stephanie Huffman, wishing you not only a fantastic week, but that you'll find